Welcome to the Athletics Prospects to Pros podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Dane Brugler and our producer Kent Garrison. Quick thank you to everyone who listened last week while we were down in Indianapolis. Had a couple really cool shows down there. Ted Wynn uh, joined us for our first episode, and then we had Fran Duffy hop on with us at the end of the week. Uh, end of my week, at least. Dane, I think you were down there <laughs> longer than a couple days longer than I was, but uh, end of my week, uh, Friday there. So if you want to go back and check those out those are up you can find those wherever you listen to our podcast if you need a subscription still to the athletic you can head over to theathletic.com slash prospects to pros you can get 40 percent off get the uh, yearly subscription for under three dollars a month which is uh, a pretty good deal if i am, can say that myself and uh, you get dane's draft guide with that deal which will launch in uh, we're probably close to a month now maybe even a little under a month don't want to put too much pressure on you dane but uh you get the draft guide which is only available through the athletic so make sure to go to the athletic.com slash prospects to pros uh dane's got some stuff up from the combine too mock draft coming out uh, and that gets you access to everything on the athletic network so uh with that we can dive into it we talked friday late morning so we hit up a lot of the thursday stuff the quarterbacks and the wide receivers tight ends but uh, like i said dana you, you stuck it out uh down there in indy uh, wh- what's it like once everyone clears out because most of the media heads out like thursday night friday morning it's i imagine it's a little different vibe like friday saturday sunday yeah it's great i love it um i i love all our fellow media but um it was especially nice this year when uh yeah there's just less you know less people around the convention center was pretty uh pretty barren and you know it was good it was it was nice to be able to go to the convention center and bump into people and just be able to talk and catch up and um you know that was definitely a nice perk um, of this new schedule, which has been a little different than past years. Um, so um, it, it was a, it was a good trip. I, you know, the Indianapolis always uh, is always a great host, and this year was no different. Um, it was uh, it was a lot of talk about how many more years it'll be there, but uh, I was glad it was there for another year. And you know, it was interesting with the uh, with the on field stuff with the new schedules and guys working out. You know, some of these guys are running three cones at 10 o'clock at night and, you know, heavy legs. And I know a lot of agents were not too thrilled about the new schedule. And it'll be interesting to see how it evolves over the years. But, yeah, like you mentioned, we talked about, um, you know, the wide receivers, uh, what, the quarterbacks and the tight ends, uh, which they worked out Thursday night. So we talked about those Friday morning. You know, Justin Jefferson, Denzel Mims, I think were two of the big winners there. Um, but then on Friday night, we had the offensive linemen and the running backs. And you know, we've been talking about for how many months now, how top heavy this offensive tackle class is and how uh, it's really going to shape the first half of the first round. And these guys didn't disappoint. Uh, Mackay Becton, a uh, guy that uh, was 300 and, well, he, he weighed in at, what, 364? Um, I caught up with um, his trainer before. and He told me that he was actually two or 357 um, before he actually worked out. So a lot of water weight uh, from when he uh, uh, actually weighed in initially to until he worked out. But still, a uh, 5'10 in the 40-yard dash um, looked really fluid uh, during drills. I think Becton lived up to it. Tristan Wirfs uh, was ridiculous. We, we knew that going in, you know. And so it's great to see when, okay, this guy looks explosive on tape. He moves really well. He was Bruce Feldman's number one on the freak list over the summer. So 
everything that he was doing behind the scenes, the weight room stuff. Great to see when that translates. And it's not just, you know, a guy that uh, gets all the hype, but just doesn't perform at the combine time, which we've seen a lot. Good to see that happen. And then another player who uh, I thought really helped himself at the tackle position was Ezra Cleveland from Boise State, who another guy, we knew he was athletic uh, and he lived up to that. 4.93 in the 40. Um, he was what, 30 inches on the vert, uh, 7263 cone, and even on the bench press, put up 30 reps. So, uh, really impressive, uh, weekend for, for Ezra Cleveland. And I would not be surprised if we see him, um, going in the first round, uh, when it's all said and done. He has that type of ability. And, you know, we, like we've been saying all along, six, seven offensive tackles is not impossible in the first round this year. I want to circle back on Werfs and Beckton in a second, but yeah, Cleveland, um, that was one of those eye-opening workouts, and I spent a little time over at his podium when he was in uh, for the press conference on, I guess that would have been Wednesday if they were working out Friday, uh, and he was talking about, he had the turf toe injury right last year. Yeah. Um, against Florida State in the opener. Early, like, yeah, the yep. openers, and then he was saying that they pretty much just, it's one of, the, I mean, that's one of those injuries that doesn't go away uh, for a while. He said they pretty much just were trying to manage it through a lot of the year like he uh he was wasn't going to play a couple either the week later a couple weeks later when they played air force and basically his coaches told him you know if you can gut it out we really need you because we think we might have a tough time with this air force front and so he barely i think he said he barely practiced that week but then played that game and was just trying to manage that injury really throughout the year so now obviously uh based on those numbers um, I mean, it seems like he's healthy again, but you know, those are always the things we kind of hear, you know, it might get the little snippets of the injury information. If it's not a major, you know, knee injury or something like that as the season goes, but then we always get these little things when we get to the combine that, um, you know, kind of cause you to look back and say, well, maybe, you know, that guy didn't play great for this stretch, but maybe that explains it away. And, uh, like you said, now that he's healthy, I mean, I think is that, like, do you legitimately think he's in that mix now, late in round one, or is he going to yeah, be a steal day two? Okay. I mean, he could. He could slip to the uh, second round. That wouldn't be a surprise. But even if he does, you know, the Bengals, the first pick in the second round, or, you know, the Chargers pick pretty early in the second, I, I think he's not going to have to wait very long. Um, and it, this, it, he's, he's an Iron Man. Um, he, the last three years, he started 40 games. Over those 40 games, he has played 95.6% of Boise State's offensive snaps, which is ridiculous, uh, considering that he was dealing with a turf toe uh, all of this past season. So uh, really, really impressive resume for him, um, starting uh, every every game or all but one game the last three years at left tackle, um, you know, big-time performer. Um, you did see it show up at times where that injury played a factor, but just that he gutted it out and was there for his team says, says so much. Uh, and his coaches rave about him. Um, you know, Brian Harson just says he, he's got zero complacency to him. He he's very well respected. So these types of things, not only just what he did numbers wise at the combine, but um, the athletic skill that he has, his arms came in a little bit longer than I think some people thought too. 33 and a half. Um, a little worried if it was going to be over under that 33 number, which a lot of teams kind of consider the benchmark for tackle or guard um, so 33 and a half uh, that was good smaller hands but still solid workout uh, solid uh, measurements 
Um, I, I, in my, uh, not to give too much away, but in my mock draft that's coming out this week, um, I just, I just filed it. And so it just, uh, should be posted on Wednesday. Um, there will be seven tackles off the board and in the first round, it's a three round mock, but there will be three, uh, seven offensive tackles in the first. Well, I mentioned I want to go back to Werfs and I bring that up in part because he was so impressive and also because I I keep circling back to him when people ask me about the Lions pick because I think I tweeted this out, but I think if they trade down, depending on what range they wind up in, like that's a guy to me that makes a ton of sense for them. And certainly a lot of other teams up at the top of the draft there could use him and like you know, the testing was just crazy. <laughs> four, mm-hmm. eight, five, 40, 36 and a half vertical. Uh, what do you do? 121 inch broad jump. Like if you go back through and look at guys, his size, six, five, three twenty. there aren't a lot of great athletic comparisons in terms of, <laughs> you know, guys that have tested like that. Like you, you really, ha- I mean, like Trent Williams had a, a combine like yeah. in that range, but it, like you have to go, really searching for someone who kind of measures up to that and like you said we knew he was an athletic guy like that I think that's one of the, the selling points for him but did this were you surprised by this I guess I mean did you think he was this good of an athlete well I, you know whenever you see a guy that's 320 pounds run a 485 like that I mean that's always going to wow you um, but I mean that's part of the reason why Werfs has been a top 10 player for me since the summer um, you know my my first top 50 board that I did in August worse was in the top 10 and the athletic skill and um, the just the uh, just the pure ability the natural skill uh, was the, a big reason why um, and we, we've mentioned it before but you know big time performer in track in high school big time wrestler and he's just he's always been an active guy so he's always been an athlete a uh, big time baseball player growing up so you know this is a guy that's not just uh, you know playing football working out in the weight room I mean, he's always active always moving always training and I think we saw that on display. And honestly, I think the biggest number for him might have been the 34-inch arms. Um, you know, we uh, th- as impressive as all these numbers are that you just said, which are just ridiculous. Um, and it's funny you mentioned Trent, uh, yeah, Trent Williams because that's that's who I've been comparing him to throughout the season. Um, 34-inch arms, that that was kind of, you know, when people pointing to moving him inside the guard, they pointed to arm length as the reason why. And, you know, 34, that's uh, that, that's, a, that's a good number for a tackle on the outside. So now, do, again, do I think he'd be a great guard? Absolutely. I think he'd be outstanding. But until he shows me he can't play tackle, I am not moving him from that spot. And now the question becomes, okay, well, you know, we talked about Becton and um, I still like Jedrick Wills as my top tackle, but Tristan Wirfs, did he do enough to maybe move the needle in terms of who's going to be that first tackle drafted? I don't, I don't know that we necessarily learned anything about these guys that we didn't know before. I think they just, you know, uh, confirmed that, hey, they're all really, really good and they're going to go early. It's just a matter of kind of ice cream flavors. You know, who who are the Giants going to prefer at number four? I think Dave Gettleman, the chance to get one of these studs at offensive tackle and, and building your trenches, that, that that's just too appealing to a guy like Dave Gettleman. But which one is he going to, going to prefer? Is it going to be yeah, the upside of a Mackay Becton? Is it going to be the athletic skill of a, a Tristan Wirfs? Um, you know, Jedrick Wills, again, still in that conversation. So, it's really, really interesting to see these tackles and, you know, how many actually go. I think there's a good chance all four are gone in the top, what, 11 picks, uh, maybe even the top 10 picks. Uh, it should be uh, interesting to see teams jockeying for position to get the tackle that they really want. 
So speaking of guys that don't have great, you know, physical athleticism comps, Makai Becton's kind of up in his own universe too, 6'7", uh, 364. The arm length was creeping up towards 36 inches. I mean, just a massive, massive dude. But, you you know, I guess the concern there is we've seen some of these guys roll through with maybe not that exact size, but getting up there in the 340, 350 range and, you wonder if the athleticism is going to translate. If they're going to be, you know, the, they're going to be able to hold up uh, physically. Uh, do you have any concerns at all about the size that he's at? Uh, no, I mean, I, I don't think there's a lot of bad weight on him. Um, yeah. He's very, he carries it very well. Um, now, I think there is a little bit of a concern because he didn't, he didn't do the three cone. He didn't. He just did the forty in the bench. And by the way, twenty three reps uh, on the bench for a guy with uh, almost thirty six inch arms is pretty impressive. Right. Um, especially when, you know, it's, uh, the average for offensive tackles is, you know, kind of right there in the mid twenties. So, um, you know, I, I would have liked to see him do some of the, the movement stuff, the, the redirection stuff, um, straight line is great, but obviously playing offensive tackle versus, uh, some of the speed rushers in the NFL, uh, body control and, uh, the ability to drop his hips and, you know, uh, move that that's something that's pretty important. And we didn't necessarily get to see it through some of these other drills, um, which, you know, is what it is. Uh, but he is a, uh, a really, really impressive specimen that I, I think, you know, if he's not the first tackle drafted, um, he's not going to have to wait very long. But you think he's definitely a tackle, right? Because I mean, the, just the weight, the size, sometimes you almost naturally, project a little more to the guard but you think he's a guy that can set up a tackle and be there for the long haul yeah absolutely i mean he's in that that trent brown that uh the bryant mckinney the you know just the a larger guy it's it's not right it's not heavyweight it's not bad weight it's just you know his bone structure is just so unique it's so large uh it, it's just he's a very very unique player and but yeah i think he'll have i think he might actually be he might struggle if he went inside to guard because he's so long and he's so mm-hmm. tall that, um, you know, I think his best NFL position, no question, um, would be uh, outside of tackle. Throw one more offensive lineman at you here before we uh, got a, some running backs to talk about on that Friday night workout. But uh, Matt Pert, 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 however you pronounce it, from uh, UConn, I'll let you take your pick. Um, but uh, another guy, six seven, arms were 36, five eights, like just insane. Good 40 yard dash. Good. He had a really good broad jump. Like that's a pretty athletic six, seven, 318 pounder. Um, what, where, where do you think he lands? Is he a guy that maybe got, got a boost from what happened at the combine? Uh, maybe a little bit. I think he's, uh, and, and I, I wrote about him back in November, uh, about how he, he didn't play until high school, his senior year of high school. Um, you know, he's a guy that, focused on basketball most of his life because, um, you know, he kind of grew up in uh, in the Bronx. And so, you know, not a lot of chances to play football there and had a chance to go to the Governor's Academy, which is kind of a, a private boarding school type of institution. And uh, he, he was going to play basketball there. And, uh, you know, at some point he, he convinced to try football. And so, um, you know, he started playing earlier in his career, didn't play offensive line until his senior year. And so the mechanics of the position are still – uh, a work in progress, but you can see the natural athleticism uh, on the field during the workouts. And so ideally, he's a guy that you draft fourth round and develop him and see what you have. But when you have a guy that's just that athletic and that talented, 
a guy that you would normally draft or would hope to draft in the fourth round, you might not be able to get him there because he's just so, so gifted. Um, and so I think he's that uh, coupled with his character. Um, you know, I talked to his high school coach about him um, and he just raved about just the person that he is, um, the work ethic and all that. So I think there's a lot going for him that uh, is, a, is a big reason why uh, I think he might sneak into that third round as a developmental tackle shouldn't see the field as a rookie in my opinion i think he's going to need time but again what he did uh on the field at lucas oil i think just kind of reinforces the fact that he has a lot of ability and his best football is ahead of him so we can get to the running backs here on friday i i mean i mentioned on our last show uh, a little special shout out for michael turk's 25 bench rest reps hmm. i saw Braden man did the short shuttle in Four one three, which is like That's one impressive. of the best short shuttle times of the whole weekend. Uh, I don't know how valuable that is for a punter, but <laughs> I guess there's got to be something in it if they make him run it. Um, give you a sure. little idea of what sort of athlete he is, I guess. But uh, yeah, he gets the he gets the special teams mention here on uh, this episode. So the running backs, um, obviously, a lot of big names that we've been talking about there. Uh, Jonathan Taylor went sub four four. I think Eno Benjamin had a had a seemed like he had a good week. Uh, a lot of guys here, man. Cam Akers. Um, were there one or two that really stood out for you? Jonathan Taylor. You know, he's he doesn't have a ton of wiggle to him. You know, he's not a guy that you know the lateral stuff. But straight ahead, uh, that running in the four threes uh, is just it's so impressive. And it you know we've been saying all along how he was a hundred meter champion in high school, and so. You know, on the field, you do see that speed, but would that translate to the forty-yard dash? And yeah, I'd say I say it did okay. Uh, you know, running in the four threes is pretty, pretty impressive for him. So I, I thought that was that was something that really stood out to me. And I, I mean, question now is, I mean, what does he? I mean, do you, do any of these guys or any of these teams? Do they change your opinions about who the top running back is? Um, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire ran in the four sixes, which doesn't mean nearly as much to yeah. me. I mean, we I, we knew he wasn't. He's got shorter legs. There are times where he, he's you know going to the corner and he gets uh, he gets caught. Like he does not have that blazing speed, and that's okay because that's not what makes him such a productive back. It's the short area quickness. It's the balance. It's his ability to uh, break tackles. Uh, that determination that he has. The pass catching skills. So all those things matter much more than a forty yard dash for a running back. But, um, you know, I know there there have been times in NFL war rooms when, you know, they they choose between two running backs because one ran a faster 40 time. You know, whether or not that's true or whether or not that's the right thing or not, that that has happened. And so is that something that could happen uh, in it, when we try to look at these running backs and, you know, J.K. J.K. Dobbins didn't work out. Um, he, he's waiting for his pro day. Swift was solid. I didn't think he was amazing, but he was good. You know, he was, um, you know, I thought he didn't do anything to hurt himself. But Jonathan Taylor was outstanding and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was, uh, you know, just he was okay in the 40-yard dash. So um, other guys that really uh, jumped out, um, Evans from App State. Sure. Well, he was in that, what, 4-4-1? I mean, low 4-4s. That was a really impressive time for him. Um, I thought Josh Kelly looked good. Uh, UCLA coming off yeah. the... A great senior bowl, and I thought he, yeah, they kept the momentum alive at the combine. That's been the one running back for me that I think has maybe surprised me the most over seeing him over the last, you know, you mentioned the senior bowl. He was really good there. I don't know mm -hmm. that I gave him enough credit for being 
uh, you, you said he was he was four four nine in the forty. I think he had. Let's see if I can pull it up here real quick. I think he was he had he was, the best three cone and, time. Yeah, yeah, he had the he best running back three cone time. I don't think I gave him enough credit for the the footwork and the quickness uh, that he's shown over the last you know at the Senior Bowl and then again with some of those times. So that's I mean I, I think just. Uh, he seems like he'd be a good fit as an NFL back uh, just from a physical standpoint. And then you add some of those things in, and I think he's got to be climbing up a little bit. Um, I mean, Zach Moss was another guy you mentioned not worrying about the Edward Tolaire time. Any concern on Zach Moss going, you know, four, five, six or four, six, five? Sorry. Yeah, obviously, that's it's a disappointing time. Um, but I guess, you know, when you. When you watch him, it's you know speed's not exactly his forte. It's not where he's impressing you. Um, you know he his contact balance, his ability to work off contact that that's what really grabs your attention. Um, but you you do worry about longevity. You do worry about you know if that's your best trait, how long can you uh, you know hold on to something like that? Because there are times when you watch him and he's he's going to bypass a lane to go over a defender and he just has that hunger for contact and it's great because he can break tackles and you know make things happen but if he doesn't have that breakaway speed uh, that that is something that could be a factor when teams are looking at these running backs and saying okay well hmm, cam Akers or uh, a guy like zach moss and you know they're i I think a lot of teams might go towards a more athletic player in Akers. um and, you know, that, that could push down a player like Moss. Um, but he, you know, he's just a re- – I don't know how you could, can't watch his film and say, man, this is just a really good player um, and just really appreciate what he does. So uh, the draft value might be affected a little bit, but, you know, it's not like he's a uh, any worse of a player than we thought coming in. Uh, one last guy who worked out Friday that I wanted to mention because we talked about him uh, like maybe on our first show. It's way, way, way back. We You, you highlighted him. As a guy who maybe could be up there in this class if everything went well and, you know, things maybe haven't gone so well. But Trey Adams, I mean, he had the worst, not the 40 times be all end all for uh, offensive tackles, but, you know, the worst 40 time drills were pretty hit or miss. I mean, what uh, what's his status at this point? Because, I mean, like I said, we were he was like maybe around one guy when we sort of set up this draft class. And now it certainly doesn't feel like he's anywhere near that range anymore. Yeah, it was a disappointing day for a couple of Washington guys. Uh, Ahmed, uh, the running back, who his whole thing's speed. And I thought he'd run in the 4-4s easy, and he ran a 4-6-2. Um, right. Trey, Trey Adams, who, I mean, he's not – he's a little bit of a, a lumbering guy. Like, he's he's not someone that was going to run a sub-540. I, I, honestly, I expected him to be around 5-3. But running the five sixes is obviously a, a bad look. And um, the other stuff, I mean, he was, what, 24 and a half in the, in the vert. And that's, that, that is not what you want to see. The average vertical for offensive tackles, 30 inches. And so he was well below that. Broad jump, uh, he was, what, 92 inches, where, you know, the average is uh, more like uh, over 100. So, you know, he was, he was below average. And that, that's I – don't, I don't know if that goes back to um, – you know, test it or, you know, his training or what. But um, I think we're going to see better numbers at the pro day. I, I would bet that. But still, it's it's hard to ignore those types of numbers when 
Um, you know, he's a player that we thought could be a first rounder at some point. So uh, as long as his numbers stand, it's hard to see him going in the first three rounds. Uh, he's probably going to be a day three guy. If he improves on some of these numbers at the pro day, you know, maybe he can get back into day two status. But uh, it's going to be tough for teams to forget those numbers. And Saturday we had the defensive guys, the edge players, the defensive linemen, linebackers, uh, you know, Isaiah Simmons, I don't know how much time we need to spend there. Sort of. So he's should, just should a, Lions get their uh, Lions fans get their Simmons jerseys yet? Uh, it's gonna be I, I, Simmons or Okuda, right? It's got, almost got to be. <laughs> I don't know right. how you. I, I don't know. Right, and I guess that's this is part of the conversation though, because Isaiah Simmons was incredible. Just a you know freaky performance for a guy his size, and then kind of at the other end of the spectrum, another name we've talked about being up there uh Derek Brown didn't have a very good day so it sort of goes back to the conversation of how much stock are you putting into this combine workout so I I mean I don't know it definitely didn't hurt Simmons and maybe locked him into the top 10 top five flip side Derek Brown for you does it bump him down at all that he didn't work out as well he had a very strange workout um because when you watch him he's obviously an explosive guy obviously um, but he was just below average, uh, across the yeah. board, uh, you know, five, one, six forty. I mean, that's fine. You know, that's, that's not a, a big concern there, but 27 inches in the vert. Uh, I mean, the average for an interior defensive lineman is 31 and a half. So he was well below the, the average for vertical is below and broad jump, but three cone eight, two, two. I mean, that's. Yeah. That's shockingly high. The average for an interior defensive lineman is seven four zero, and so I mean we're we're talking way off there. Um, it, it's hard to really um, understand because when you watch him, he's uh, he moves ex- with explosiveness. He doesn't look like he's. I mean, he's not the most fluid guy. He's not you know like Indomitian Sue out there with his fluidity, but he doesn't look stiff either. He doesn't look like he's hindered by uh, you know his hips or anything like that. Uh, he stays low. He plays loose. Um, and so it, it was really surprising to see those disappointing numbers. Um, and, you know, if that's what he was testing at, I'm surprised uh, he even opted to to do those uh, workouts. But I, at the end of the day, I can't see him. Maybe, I don't know, think he falls out of the top 10? Do you think that's possible? I guess I guess you never say never. Um, I would just have a tough time seeing a team watch his film and then see these numbers and not kind of just trust what they saw on film because it it's just too good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think some of this comes down to how much you're weighing, like how much are you looking at a three-cone time for a guy who's going to play, you know, one-tech nose for you? Like, uh, do you need that? I, I think that's some of the that's that's some of the challenge here is – uh, figuring out how much he's going to give you, and this has always been the conversation with him, is figuring out how much he's going to give you as a pass rusher, um, and how much he's going to give you in those sub packages, and if he can beat the, you know, quicker interior lineman, or if he's just going to be, you know, kind of a power guy that uh, sort of knocks people around up there. And I guess those numbers fall into into that category. But I don't know. For me, I, I think I guess I could see him falling out of the top ten. I still have a hard time believing that would happen but i could see it and i guess you sort of go to the other guys in that class too like is there a possibility kinlaw gets in front of him yeah i mean you you never say never the draft (laughs) if it happened exactly like we thought it'd be no fun so you know you never say never uh with these things especially because teams are so different with how they view some of these numbers how they 
Um, you know, for some teams, this uh, there will be teams that say, okay, we have, we we won't draft Derek Brown top ten because you know we yeah. we trust the numbers and we trust that you know we're just we're not going to take a guy that tests like a bad athlete um, on in the top ten that early or maybe even at all. So. Some teams will think that way. Other teams will say, you know, I, I don't, I don't care what the numbers said. I, I the tape says he's a very good player. So, you know, obviously the truth is somewhere in the middle. You know, it's just not relying on one or the other. It's, it's taking all the information that is out there and as provided to you and making the best possible decision. It's, it is tough though when they're conflicting information, uh, like we have here with Derek Brown. So, I don't think this is a free fall situation, but. Um, you know, the Panthers at seven need to upgrade on the interior of their defensive line. That That's a possibility. Um, I think the the Cardinals at, at eight, the Jacksonville Jaguars at nine. Um, and then if, if he falls past there, then we're all of a sudden talking about somewhere in the teens, maybe, um, you know, where, you know, could he, you know, the Colts maybe, or, you know, I, I don't think he'd get all the way to 17. I know the Cowboys, I think they'd love to have him there. I don't know if, if we're going to see that much of a drop but uh regardless um i think it's just adds another wrinkle kind of to the to the first round as we try to peg where these guys are going to end up so simmons i I mean i feel like we owe it to him to spend a minute there because that just there just aren't guys like this um yeah even even if you're talking safety linebacker hybrid types you know and the nfl's been trying to find these guys over and over again over the past at least handful of years as they counter what's going on with offenses and there just aren't guys there just aren't 240 pounders that can move like that usually you're either getting a 240 pounder that you're worried can't go back and play coverage or you're getting a 210 pounder that you're worried can't hold up in the box and we don't see many guys come through like this I don't know that we've ever seen a guy come through like this so just uh, I mean can you put in any perspective what he did at the combine and sort of and just what it might mean for his draft stock now? I don't know if his draft stock can get any higher than it is, but uh, can you put any perspective on what he did this weekend? I think it points to the the evolution of where we are in the NFL. Like ten years ago, in the you know 2010 NFL draft, he would have been labeled as a guy without a position, you know, and he would have been. Maybe with this type of workout, maybe he goes late first round, you know, because it's just where do you play him? And teams uh, get weary about guys like that. Now in today's NFL, he is the modern day defender. He is the guy that everyone wants because he can be a chess piece. He can stay on the field for all four downs and just, you know, it doesn't have to be a situation where, uh, you know, you need to sub him in and out and uh, try to, you know, match up uh, packages with what the offense is doing. It's you can leave him on the field. You can blitz him. You can let him play the run. You can let him cover the uh, in the slot, drop and cover. I mean, he can do everything. And it's just it's a it's a luxury in today's NFL. So it's uh, when you look at the top 10, he's going in there. It's just a matter of where. And, uh, you know, I think you you look at the Lions at three. If they stay put and they don't trade out, they're going to have a big decision. Um, I think that corner is probably their biggest need just looking on you know on the surface especially if slay is no longer part of the their plans moving forward but corner is probably the bigger need um you know they just drafted a linebacker in the second round uh last year they drafted a first round linebacker a couple years ago so you know it's not the most uh egregious need on the roster but if he is a, if you believe he's a true difference maker, and I, I bet you Matt Patricia is a guy, a defensive minded guy that's looking at a weapon like that and saying, wow, well, all the things we could do with him. 
um, you know, I think it'd be tough to pass on him there at number three. Yeah, and it's sort of the same thing. At, if if they trade back, I mean, it seems like the most natural trade partner is Miami, which would be at number five. Mm-hmm. But if Miami stays put and the Lions, you know, someone else trades up with Detroit, maybe the Chargers or whoever trade, trade up with Detroit, take that three pick. Uh, Simmons fits in Miami for a lot of the same reasons. I mean, you got Brian Flores there. It's similar right. principles on defense, you know, just wanting to mix and match the safeties, wanting to be able to use guys all over the secondary and bring them up to the line every once in a while. And yeah, I mean, but again, I don't know that you uh, need to narrow it down to a specific scheme or anything. Like I think if you're, it's one of those guys that if you can't find a spot for him, you probably need to rethink what you're doing defensively because he gives you a little bit of everything and uh, just kind of hammered at home. What we're talking about here with that combine performance. Right. And you know, we, we expected a big, and he's a former track athlete. He was a track athlete before he was a football player. So, you know, it was no surprise that he went, went out there and just kind of dropped jaws. But uh, it just kind of speaks to his athleticism and, and just everything he can do with the position. So, you know, when at the beginning of the season, it kind of began, the, the talk was, okay, well, he's really talented, but you know, our team's really going to buy into a guy that's this this different, this much of a hybrid. And as the season went on, it, it just became kind of obvious that look, this guy's just too good. And I think he just reinforced that at the combine. So um, I, Chase Young's the best defensive player in this draft. But uh, I think there's a case to be made after that about who who's the next guy. I mean, I still believe in Jeff Okuda, but uh, if you want to argue that it's Simmons, uh, it's hard to, hard to disagree with that. Well, I mentioned this in my uh, post sort of recapping the combine from the Lions perspective, but uh, I don't know if you ever use the site mockdraftable.com. They put up the spider charts, like comparing guys across Mm -hmm. the cross classes, you know, sort of how they measure up height, weight, testing uh, to try to give some historical perspective on it. And the four closest comparisons to Simmons in terms of all those things, the the height, weight, and the on-field testing, the arm length, all that. Uh, they have Travis Feeney, Kenneth Murray, Chase Claypool, and Derwin James. And those are four guys who play totally different positions on the field. Yeah. You've got a wide receiver. You've got one of the elite safeties. I mean, it, it's crazy. It, it, I don't know. It just sort of highlighted for me that uh, like this is a, sort of a unique breed here that we're talking about in Isaiah Simmons. I did want to uh, – Willie Gay – feel like we should talk about Willie mm. Gay too mm-hmm. because we ha- I don't think we have yet on the show and then uh you know uh, 136 inches on the the broad jump but yeah he yes. obviously a big day for him um as well out there on Saturday and and this is a guy who at 446 so just behind Simmons in that group Saturday at, in the mm-hmm. 40 uh this is a guy who maybe has been sliding under the radar because of sort of I guess what went on in college, but uh, I don't know that he can slide under the radar anymore after the testing. Right. Well, and yeah, he is junior. came out early. Um, I think he only played like what, five games or something as a junior. Yeah, four or five. Of, uh, yeah. yeah. So some, some uh, NCA stuff behind the scenes. Um, and you know, there, so there, there's character stuff that needs to be worked through. Um, but this is a guy that was a, Highly recruited um, and has talent. Um, and I remember he kind of put his name on the map as a sophomore with what he did. And then this year it was kind of off the rails a little bit. But there's no question he's an explosive guy. And, you know, there's a lot that you could do with him with that type of skill. It's just, um, you know, is he going to be all in with what it takes to be a professional? Um, and that's what, 
that's where the interview process comes in and, you know, teams vetting these guys and, but teams are always going to bet on athleticism. Um, and so, uh, he needs to develop his awareness, um, you know, keying in on, uh, you know, his reads and, um, understanding, uh, what he needs to do with angles, things like that. He needs to get better based off of what he put on tape this season. But, uh, again, with that type of athleticism, teams will take a chance and see if they can develop something like that because what he was, well, 245 or close and, you know, running a four, four, six and yeah, 243. Uh, you know, yep. Yeah, exactly. So hitting almost 40 on the vert, the broad jump was ridiculous. So yeah, he, he's another guy that helped himself and someone that is maybe went from a, you know, late rounder to maybe more of a, of a mid rounder. I still probably think he's a day three guy, but you know, there's a difference obviously in going sixth or seventh round and then going fourth or fifth round. I don't know that the four four six is necessarily a, a huge surprise. I mean, like I said, we haven't really talked about him, but if you watch him, if he's got a clear mm. path across yeah. the field trying to chase someone down, he gets there in a hurry. I mean, he looks like a yeah. safety flying around when he gets uh, when he has sort of that runway to go after someone. Uh, like you said, I don't know. I mean, I guess some of the questions would be in yeah the recognition and can he get off blocks and those types of things but certainly the athleticism plays up to the next level based on what you see when he makes some of those plays yep agree and that's you never know maybe he sneaks into day two maybe one of those comp picks you know like i mean that's when you put those up those types of numbers uh, you know teams teams will always be willing to bet on that uh, anyone else in that uh, third day of workouts that jumped out for you? Patrick Queen put up a nice uh, 40 time. I know he's a guy that you've kind of had on the mm-hmm. up there, or maybe like border round one, round two area. Um, Logan Wilson tested well. Like any anyone else jump out for you? I thought Alex Highsmith, um, who you know I've been a big fan of throughout the process, uh, had a good workout. Um, you know the the testing was was good, not great. Um, I think it was like four seven in the 40. Um, but just seeing him during the positional stuff, he looked really fluid, really, he didn't look like his movements were forced. Um, he didn't look stiff out there. So he, he's more of the hybrid conversion guy where he's going to stand up in a three, four and might not be for everybody. Um, maybe he's more of a nickel rusher for some teams, but I think there's a lot of ability there with what he did as a senior and then uh, finishing up with a strong combine. So um, Alex Highsmith is a, is a player who um, I think secured himself as a, as a mid-round player. Another guy, I don't know that he gets top 100, but uh, maybe one of those comp picks, maybe early in the fourth round, I think he'd be good value there. Uh, not that we need to throw out another Ohio State guy because we talk about a lot of them, but uh, I really like Malik Harrison as a prospect. Mm-hmm. I thought he had a nice weekend too, and some of these numbers came in pretty well. I mean, in good size, but also 122-inch broad jump, his 6.83 in the three cone, so I thought he helped himself. I definitely didn't hurt himself with those numbers, and that's like I said, that's a guy that I've kind of had on my mind as a, as a day two guy if someone wants to take him there because I think he could be uh, – I think he's got the game to to live on three downs in the NFL. I'd be shocked if he didn't go uh, day two. I mean, yeah, he is. Uh, I think he's one of the better run defending linebackers uh, yeah. in this draft. And I think in coverage, he's you know still a work in progress, but he's getting there, and he has the athleticism to do it. Um, it's just a matter of 
developing that part of his game. So, yeah, he, and he, we talked about it before. He's a former high school quarterback who wanted to play receiver at Ohio State. They moved to linebacker. And so each and every year he got better and better and better. And uh, I think that especially showed he came into the year with a lot of third round grades uh, from around the league. And he only played better as a senior. So um, second, third round. Uh, yeah, Malik Harrison. I mean, he's he's going to he's going to go on day two. With the uh, Sunday workouts, the DBs, we had some guys put up some numbers in the 40. Uh, Javelin yeah. Gidry, 429. Uh, Legereus Sneed went 437. We had a bunch of guys, or a handful of guys go under 44. Javaris Davis, uh, CJ Henderson, who's a Henderson, potentially yeah. a round one guy. I don't know. Tanner Moose, 441. I don't know if that was Impressive. expected, yeah. uh, but a good number for him. And then some guys that uh, maybe a little further down the list, but that. Uh, definitely tested well. I mean, Josiah Scott put up a nice number for him, four four two. Reggie Robinson was four four four. What were you looking for, just in general, with those DB workouts? It's always sort of the reverse of the conversation with the the wide receivers are out there running routes against air. These DBs aren't really covering anyone, so to speak. But uh, what are you looking for that makes a guy stand out for you? Yeah, and it's just it's the movements. It's uh, being able to uh, not look like you're forced with your your pedal um, when you're turning your hips and things like that, and um, being able to stay low. I thought C.J. Henderson was fantastic. Um, I we know Okuda's cornerback uh, one, but was there going to be a guy? Because we've talked about that second tier. It's such a crowded group of corners. Uh, you know, Diggs and Fulton and Gladney and uh, Terrell and, you know, uh, Jalen Johnson. But C.J. Henderson, to me, I, I'd be surprised if he's not the second cornerback drafted now. Um, now, I mean, he, he had a good chance before the combine. I think he just kind of separated himself a little bit with how he played uh, or how he performed uh, during drills. Uh, four three nine at that size is fantastic. He looked outstanding during the, the field work. Um, I, I wish he was more of a playmaker um, down the field, uh, and I wish he was a better tackler. Those are the two big knocks against him. But still, when you have that type of athleticism with that size, that length, you are going to go early. So um, I think I think maybe the Cowboys at 17, I think that might be the latest he goes. Um, I think he, hmm. say the Jaguars, and the Jaguars have a need a corner, and Okuda's off the board. I could see the Jaguars at number nine overall going C.J. Henderson. So uh, top 10 is in the realm of possibility for a guy like this. And like I said, I don't see him getting outside the top 20. Too many teams have a need a corner. And C.J. Henderson, to me, has kind of separated himself as that n- clear number two corner at the top of that next tier. Uh, AJ Terrell, Clemson had a good day too. I yeah. uh, think that's, yeah, is that a round one guy? Like how high are we talking his ceiling? Yeah. And I, I think people, uh, you know, best remember him from the national title game when, you know, Jamar yeah. Chase, like he's done to so many other corners, uh, just kind of had his way. And, but I, I think Terrell did what he needed to do in terms of helping people forget that performance. Um, and he was great all year, uh, but that, last game will obviously stick with people um but i think he did a really nice job uh, in terms of uh you know putting in good times the field work was very good and when you have a guy with that size you know six one uh running in the four fours and working out as smooth as he did um you know he's a guy that you know spoiler alert he will be um when you click on my three round mock that's coming out tomorrow <laughs> he will be in that first round um i i think he's uh, top five corner in this draft um and it's just a matter of kind of where he ends up so um and you mentioned um you know his teammate tanner muse who um i don't think he has like he's terrible in coverage i'll just put it flat out he's terrible in coverage um but 
he's going to live for 10 years in the NFL with that type of speed as a just a hired gun in, on special teams. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's going to be because he's going to be a linebacker in the NFL. Um, he's not going to play safety. Just you can't trust him as a single high guy or you know even a guy in the box who's going to line up man on man versus some of these athletic tight ends and backs uh, at the NFL level. Um, he just doesn't have that uh, that ability to turn and run. I mean, he's more of a straight line guy, and that that's fine. He's a smart player. Um, there's a placelet for someone like that in the NFL. It's just he's going to be. Uh, probably a backup linebacker, sub package player, and a, a core special teams guy who might go higher than maybe we thought because of uh, you know all the different things that he can offer. Yeah, we sort of overlook that when we talk about the draft a lot of times, but most NFL teams sort of reserve out like somewhere between two and maybe five even spots for guys who mm-hmm. just can help on all special teams units and be on your coverage team. Um, you know, be out there if you need him to as a blocker on on kicks like just someone who's out there all the time whenever your special teams units are out there is one of your core guys there and it is definitely important Uh, we don't exactly know what you know kickoffs are going to look like for example in two or three years but it's still very important for nfl teams to have those handful of guys that they can trust in those situations so uh yeah i mean that's something i feel like we probably don't talk about enough when we talk about these draft prospects I, i know you mentioned it even when we were talking about uh like Claypool, some of the wide receivers yeah, the other day, exactly. like guys who can go help you in those spots. So, and, and I mean, I'm assuming that's like, I mentioned Javelin Guidry's time. Like that's, he's probably gonna have to make a living on special teams too for a while. Right. Yeah. And cause you watch his tape and he's just, he's not right now. He's not an NFL level corner, but when you run in the four twos, um, you know, you're, you're going to get extensive looks and, Teams are willing to take a chance on that uh, and try to, to try to develop that. So um, that that four two definitely does matter. And it when you consider how uh, you know being a track athlete, how good he was, it's not really a surprise. I think we kind of saw the four two coming. Um, but yeah, I think special teams will be a big part of what he does because he's he's a muscled up guy. He's not just a a lean track athlete. Um, and I think he he did really well in the bench press. I think he had like twenty reps or something like that. Um, so he is a guy that has a lot of ability and that's going to help him on draft day. It just, it'll be on day three. Um, one guy that I think did kind of secure his spot on day two, Jeremy Chin from Southern yeah, Illinois. That was my next name uh, I was going to ask you about. Yeah, 6'3", 220 and running the mid four fours, uh, was over 40 in the vert, um, jumped really well. Didn't do the three cone or short shuttle, but, um, a lot of ability there and he, he had a good week at the Senior Bowl, um, put together a really strong career um, at the FCS level. Um, and he's going to be a guy that uh, he's a former corner. So he's got a little bit of experience doing that. Um, you know, his closing speed that he shows on tape, really, really impressive. And that was reflected on uh, during the field work and during his agility stuff uh, at the combine. So I think that, you know, before before the Senior Bowl, we were looking at him as maybe a fourth round player after the Senior Bowl. Hey, this guy could go day two. And after the combine, it's like, okay, does he get into the top 50 or maybe just later around two? And uh, just a lot of ability there at a, a very important position. And again, I mean, Isaiah Simmons putting him sort of in his own room and closing the door and talking about everyone else. Right. But you're, I mean, Chin, you mentioned the build, you know, the background and the ability to cover and come down in the box. I mean, this is another guy who's in that kind of new wave mm-hmm. of what teams are looking for. He's not going to just sit and play, you know, single high or cover two up top and and live there forever. Like he's a guy you're going to move around quite a bit, and 
and match up against you know tight ends or running backs on occasion and and do a lot of different things for you so that's uh and if he if he is you know as good as he's looked over the last couple months that's a pretty good find and like you said even if you're in the top 50 but certainly if you're in the bottom around two or early round three and you get this guy and he turns out to be as good as you know some of the numbers and the senior bowl performance look then that's uh you know that's a big boost for a defense yeah no question and uh i think this draft has a couple of those guys you know i think we you know we've talked about kyle duggar quite a bit um yeah. and i thought he had a, a good workout at the combine um we've talked about akeem davis gaither from app state who's also kind of in that um that hybrid mold at linebacker where you know he's doesn't really fit a lot of the prototypes but he's such a good athlete and he's long and so uh you think you, you can you know create some mismatches there with how you deploy him so yeah this if you don't get your isaiah simmons in the top 10 there are some kind of backup options uh rounds two rounds three round four that could possibly fill that role at a, maybe a little bit of a discount a different type of safety here but are you uh are you an antoine winfield guy you know, I really struggle with him because of the size. Um, yeah, I know it, we it, talked it, about it, him a little Friday, but thought we'd circle. Right. I mean, he he tested all right, and uh, he did. He, I, you know, I I think he he did. He helped himself uh, with how he tested because uh, he yeah. ran well, and it's one of those guys where I think you need to go back to the tape and really try and figure him out because uh, you know, again, size is never going to be his thing. Five nine, uh, short arms, but uh, you know, he ran a little bit better than I thought. I, I was. I thought he'd be more of like a mid four or five guy that, that to me, that's how he plays. He tested mid four, four guy, which is great. And so um, the fact that his dad was able to overcome the size, I, that certainly helps him. Um, but uh, you know, he's his own guy and you have to, you know, scout him as he, as if he's his own individual. And he's, he's going to take a little bit more work to figure out exactly where he, you know, what's his value in the draft and then what it ultimately is his ceiling in the NFL. All right. So we, uh, sort of touched on the new format when we talked last week now we had a full weekend a full week to get uh our heads wrapped around it um and as you said i think there were certainly you know we saw saw some guys not working out there were some comments from agents just mm-hmm. not thrilled about the event there's a, a zach Kiefer, um our colts writer spent some time with shea patterson this week and uh documented in the story for the athletic you know just sort of the like you know bench pressing at four and then sitting around for a couple hours and then warming up and doing another drill and then sitting around and the guys you know you've been in the building for doing workouts for five six hours before you go throw and then but you've been in the building doing interviews and everything before that too and just the long long days and a big challenge for these players and i'm sure there were at least a few teams that didn't love it so uh i guess what were your thoughts dane and then did you get any feedback from anyone that either supported this or maybe thinks it could go back to the old way or something similar to the old way? Well, the consensus was it's not going back. Um, the f- Once they made this move, it's kind of done. Um, it's, it's in prime time now, and regardless of what the TV numbers are, it's going to stay in prime time. Um, so I think that's I don't think that's going to be much of a question. Uh, but yeah, there was a lot of people that weren't happy with it. And it's not just media. I mean, you know, media likes to uh, complain about everything. But this was about the players, you know, like that, that's the thing I heard more than anything was what's best for these players. And if you want to make it a primetime event, 
okay, that's that's fine, but you're not. It's not going to be watchable unless you have the guys performing at their peak and when they're ready, and the top guys performing. And so you need the players here. And if it's not ideal for them, then you know, is it ideal for anybody? So I don't know what the answer is uh, because again, I don't. I don't see them moving this. Um, you know, maybe the answer is, and you know, someone pointed out to me that okay, if they move to LA, well, prime time at you know seven eight o'clock is different because in LA with on the West Coast, that's three hours uh, before uh, that sure. on the East Coast. So you know, maybe that's part of the answer. So I I don't know. It, it's hard to say because the priorities are a little different. Um, you know, talk about the league office compared to you know the scouts and what evaluators want to see from these players. So, um, you know, the priorities that are going to win out are usually the ones that begin with the dollar sign. So it'll be interesting to see how this evolves because it's, it's not done evolving. Um, and, and so I don't, I, we'll have to see kind of going into next year, what, what's being thrown around and what, cause they were making changes on the fly. I mean, the sled that they use for the tight ends, they scrapped, um, after the first, the first day, um, there were, there were time, there were drills that were literally being changed. Uh, I was talking to somebody that's with NFL Network that you know does uh, the coverage behind the scenes. They were literally changing stuff ten minutes before they went on uh, with the drills, and so they're scrambling to you know change the graphics and you know the the, the B roll they have and things like that. It was very very thrown together, and so they they need to do a little bit of uh, you know a little more work with the background in terms of again what's best for these players. But what's also best for the production value in terms of making this a uh, must-see uh, event for fans? Yeah, because I think the worry for them is that it gets so sort of convoluted over the the week and the hours that they've got it set up. Is that play we see more and more players, and especially you already were without you know Tua had the injury, but Joe Burrow didn't throw, Chase Young didn't work out. I think mm-hmm. there's certainly a, a risk that you're going to have a lot of these guys just say, well. Uh, it's not worth it. I'll just wait for my pro day. I know what the schedule is going to be then. We got control of it. Um, I'm already in pretty good shape with the draft. And then you see so you end up having – I'm sure people would still tune in, but you risk having a combine where, you know, 30 of the top 40 guys aren't working out and it sort of loses some of its appeal. I think that's uh, a possibility if it if mm-hmm. it continues to get some negative reviews. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And it's – again, what's the answer? Is it – you know, you give performance bonuses for these guys or, you know, mm. you make it a contest where, um, you know, the fastest 40 gets X amount or all the running backs uh, who run, uh, you know, sub seven and the three cone get, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, maybe you do make it a performance based, you know, an incentive based type of thing where it's going to give guys the challenge where they're going to want to be at their best and, um, you know, really shine to reach certain uh, certain benchmarks so you know I, I think that's been tossed around i don't know if that's the best way to do it but um you know maybe that's what's best for for everybody because tv gets what they want they're going to get the the big names and they're going to make it a little more of a competition and the players um have something out of it as well potentially with uh, the potential to earn so it, it's there's there's a lot of moving parts here and i i think bottom line is safe to say the combine that we once knew is uh, going to be really no more. It's going to be a, a different type of event, um, especially if it ends up moving, which hopefully it doesn't because Indianapolis, another year, another great host. It was a lot of fun. Um, it's just, it's a perfect city for something like this with 
everything's so close. And I mean, aside from the weather, it's uh, it, it's really made for for something like this. Even with the even with the blowing up in recent years, in terms of you know amount of credentials that are being put out and the amount of fan interest, it, it's still a, a perfect venue for uh, this type of event. Yeah, absolutely. I love going there. They do a great job hosting it. Like you said, it's it's gotten a lot bigger, and you can feel that it's gotten a lot bigger. But mm-hmm. uh, they've never it the the people running it have never seemed uh, at least from like the media vantage point have seemed like they're overwhelmed. Like everything still runs pretty smoothly. Guys are getting into their press conferences yeah. on time. It just it's all done handled very well, and it's yeah, it is a fun uh, fun town to go to for a few days. So. Uh, we'll wrap up our combine recap there. Again, if you still need an athletic subscription, you can head over to theathletic.com slash prospects to pros for 40% off. They get you access to Dane's draft guide next month when it launches. You can check out his mock draft that's going up this week, as well as I don't know what the official number of uh, stories we had up on theathletic.com <laughs> from the combine, but it was uh, significant. So uh, go read through all those. Uh, especially if you're just sort of now jumping into draft season now that uh, you know it's uh, fully on us and free agency's coming up so we've got a lot more good stuff coming for you on this show as well so uh, for Kent Garrison and Dane Brugler I'm Chris Burke thanks for listening we'll talk to you soon <laughs>